that we are thankful for where you've brought us to as a church, but it is our desire to see you continue to use us and to grow us and to see us, to see us faithfully proclaiming the gospel and helping others to know you, to love you, and to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would open our minds and hearts to your truth this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you open your Bibles, the book of Second Peter with me this morning. If this time the kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. They head out as we think about this passage. Second Peter, if you are new to our church or new to Eastside or if you did not bring your Bible, uh, we have a pew Bible, should be somewhere close to you. And in that pew Bible, the passage this morning is on page 1018. 1018, 2 Peter chapter 1. As you turn there, I want to introduce our message this morning by asking you a few questions. And now, I'm going to ask these questions, but don't raise your hand. I mean, you can, but you're not expected to raise your hands, all right? So the first question is, how many of you would consider yourself to be physically healthy? That you'd figure inside yourself as overall I'm physically healthy. That you eat pretty well, your blood pressure is in decent shape, that your cholesterol numbers are okay, you don't have any significant ailments that are impacting your life right now, that you would say that overall... I am pretty healthy. And I'm confident that many of you would say that that, that would describe me. But I want to change the gear, though, but ask you a different question. Not only are you healthy, because we realize that God's, the good health is a blessing from the Lord. I think often we take it for granted that we just assume we're supposed to be healthy. Uh, but the reality is it's a gift from God. And for those of you who describe yourselves as healthy, the next question is, how many of you would describe yourselves as being fit? There's a difference between healthy and fit. And it's, 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 it's some fine lines here, but, but overall, if you're fit, you have good health, but you're also in good shape. And if we would decide, let's, let's go find out if you are fit, that we would get in the church bus, church van, which, by the way, there's a graphic out in the connection point about a new church van we're trying to add to our, um, add to our fleet so that we can get more kids here more timely on Wednesday, Wednesdays. Um, check that out. We need about $12,000. They're cute little faces. And then when we get $1,000, we're going to put that kid on the bus. And we get 12 more kids on the bus, we're buying a van. All right? So check that out. But on the two vans we have, we're going to load up and go to Turkey Run. Those of you who say you're healthy. And we're going to go and we're going to pay at the gate and we're going to stand in the parking lot. We're going to walk down all those stairs that take us to the bridge. And we're going to walk across the bridge. And then we're going to stay on the trails for a few hours. And we're going to do some hiking in Turkey Run. We're going to do some ladders. We're going to walk through some water on Trail 3. We're going to stay on Trail 1, some flat parts. But the whole variety of things. Now, if you're fit, how would you do? If you're fit, you wouldn't simply survive that you would be walking back across the bridge without panting and you're not on your hands and knees just dying to get back, that you would be able to enjoy the hike, that you would be able to enjoy your time there, and when you get to the bottom of the stairs that take you back up to the parking lot, you would not be praying for an angelic visit and an elevator to get you to the top. All right? If you're fit, that you're putting your good health to work. And so there's a distinction between being healthy and fit. Healthy means that you're eating right. You're not battling serious diseases. You don't have significant physical problems. You're getting adequate, adequate sleep. You're, you're, you feel good and so on. But being fit means that you are conditioned for action. Being fit means that you are putting your good health to work for your benefit. 
that you have good health and you're exercising and you want to be healthy, but you also want to be fit. You want to make yourself stronger to be able to accomplish more. As we think about this distinction between being a healthy and being healthy and fit in our physical bodies, I believe the same is true when it comes to our spiritual bodies, and particularly our spiritual body of the church. That the church is the body of Christ, and the church is the body of Christ. And as I would look at Eastside Baptist Church and where we are at this point in our history of a church, I would assess that we are in good health. I think that someone from the outside looking at what makes for a healthy church, I think that they would look at Eastside Baptist Church and say, Eastside Baptist Church is a healthy church. As we think about the characteristics of a healthy church, we would see things like these outward kinds of things that would be more what we often call a trellis type things, that our roof doesn't leak anymore. Praise God, the insurance and all those who helped with the roof project recently. Our, our roofs aren't leaking Our finances are in pretty decent shape. They're okay, but keep giving. Um, We'd also see that uh, we have opportunities to reach more kids. And the reason why we're looking to get a new van is because that the ministry, that we are reaching a ton of kids in our community on Wednesday nights, kids who are hearing the gospel, we have faithful leaders who are serving in those ministries. We are a healthy church because there's good harmony within the body of Christ that we are not dealing with conflicts and hostilities and challenges within the church. Sparks aren't flying when we gather together. When we have business meetings, the spirit is good and there's good unity within the church. And even when there's disagreement, there's maturity that's being exercised. And so we, we handle problems when they come up. We handle them well. There are a lot of marks. We would think about the teaching is solid from the things from the youngest kids that we have. We, the youngest kids at Eastside, we're teaching them truth. We're not just, it's not, it's not preschool. It's not, well, it's not, it's not recess. It, it's profitable. We're training them. And our Sunday school teachers are doing a great job of communicating truth and encouraging students to live it out. That there are a variety of things that make us a healthy church. And I'm very, very thankful of where God has us. God has us in a very good place. And so as Jude preached last week on Philippians 4 on contentment, very content with where the Lord has us. And yet if we think about contentment, I rejoice in where God has us, but I don't want us to be complacent. Contentment is we're thankful for where God has us. Complacency is, and it's good enough and we're just going to rest. It's good. I don't want to have to get fit. I'm, I'm eating my fruit snacks and I'm eating my healthy fruit. At no, but I really don't want to do any more. I really want to be fit. I don't want to do exercise. I don't want to have to get up a little early and, and exercise. I don't want to have to make my muscles work. That would be con- complacency. And so we're rejoicing that we're content, but I want to push us as a church to continue to grow. I believe that God wants his church, he wants his church to, he wants us to put our good health to work. I believe that he wants us to grow stronger, to exercise our faith in new ways. I believe that God wants to follow us, follow him in directions that will stretch us and grow us as a body of believers and as individuals. I believe that God wants us to be a church that is continually building on our faith so that we will be a church that is effective and fruitful. 
And I believe all these things about our church. I believe this is what God wants for our church, not because God gave me some vision when I was praying one day, but because that's what the Word of God teaches us about His desire for His church. And we see that this morning in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at this passage together. We're going to look at verses 3 through 11 this morning. Next week we're going to build on some more of this passage. But it begins in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. It tells us that His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason... Make every effort, make every effort to supplement your your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, They will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And in this passage, it begins by telling us that everything that we need to be a healthy church and everything that we need to be a fit church have already been given to us in Christ. And the first point on your notes this morning is this, that God has given us everything that we need to flourish as a church. Verse 3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to, to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That God's given us everything that we need as a church, but also as individuals, everything we need for life and godliness. And I believe that He uses those two words, life and godliness, because if He just used life or He just used godliness, we would all think the same thing. That we would think that God's given us everything that we need to live the kind of spiritual life that He wants us to have. That we need everything that we need for eternal life. And and that we would put this in the camp of of what God's given me is everything I need for my spiritual life. But over here when I go to school and I'm having an argument with my wife or trying to parent my kids or figuring out my finances, I just got to figure that out on my own. This verse is telling us that God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Another way of saying that is God has given us everything we need for eternal life and everything we need for everyday life. That's life and godliness. Eternal life and everyday life. That's what God's given us through to, to us through the knowledge of Him. And so the Bible tells us how to be born again. It tells us that how that we go from being lost in our sins and being consumed by selfishness to being selfless people who give of ourselves for the good of others. The Word of God teaches us that. The Bible teaches us how we live as new creatures, how to function as a church, how we choose leaders. Um, God tells us everything we need for eternal life. 
But he also tells us what we need for everyday life. God tells us how to handle conflict, how to think about marriage. God tells us how to think about sexuality, about the realm of sex. God teaches things about that. God teaches us, and God's Word talks to us about how we parent our kids, how I respond to my friends at school, how I respond to an employer, a boss, who is being a jerk. God's Word gives me direction for this. God's Word gives me directions on how to respond to authorities, how to handle fear and anxiety, how to deal with anger, how to manage my finances, how to help others with their problems. God's Word gives us truth, how to deal with worry, how to deal with loss, how to handle grief. God's Word is sufficient for eternal life and everyday life, for life and godliness. And we see this, that, that, that He gives us His truth to equip us. He gives us His truth to equip us. And in verse 3, this truth He gives us, it says, He's granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? What does this passage say? He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. That knowing God and understanding Him and what He's done for us gives us all of this. And so in the context of our passage, we realize that knowing God gives us life. Knowing God gives us hope. Knowing God gives us purpose. Knowing God also shows us direction. Knowing God gives us confidence. Knowing God gives us security. He is our rock. He is a fortress. He is a solid foundation. He is the one who, who orchestrates all the events of our lives and is moving them in ways that, that, that we oftentimes don't understand. But because we know that His ways and His thoughts are higher than all, our thoughts, we trust Him and we follow Him. That He equips us for life. And every truth that we need to live a life that helps us to be healthy, God has given to us. But we would see as well that God has also given us promises to transform us. He equips us and He transforms us. And this is what it says in verse 4. By which, okay, this uh, knowledge of God, He has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. And we realize that God gives us these promises, two big promises, the promise of the gospel and the promise of the Spirit. But the promise of the gospel tells us that whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. That's a promise. A promise that we need to hear that, that if we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, submit our lives to it, what will be the result? We will be saved. Our relationship with God will be restored. But we also see in these promises that we can be born again, we'll be forgiven, our sin, our shame, our guilt can be all removed. We can be new, become new creatures in Christ, made acceptable to the Father, united with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. All of those things are true because of the promises God gives us. We also see the promise of His Spirit, that God gives us Himself to dwell within us. When we're battling temptation, when we need wisdom, when we need help, when we need strength, that the Spirit of God is dwelling in us. If you're a believer, dwelling in us to help us. He is the helper who's come alongside to give us direction. And God has given us everything that we need. 
And we see this, that, that, that then goes on in our passage. It says, it transitions then in verse 5, that says, for this very reason. And now we pause here, a little bit of Bible, uh, Bible study. And when it says, for this very reason, what's the reason? It's right there on the screen. Okay, what's the reason? For this very reason, he's going to say that we need to do something. And, and so, why am I going to do what he tells me to do? Why am I going to do that? But it's just what he has told us. Because he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Because we have truth that equips us and promises that transform us. Because we have all of these things, now he's going to say, do this. Right? Which is a beautiful thing we see in the Word of God. God's Word never just begins by saying, do this. It begins by saying, I'm God. This is what I've done for you. I'm good. I've been gracious. He helps us to understand things about ourselves. He gives us truth. And then He gives us direction. He gives us instructions. And so what are the instructions? It says in verse 5, For this very reason, because you have all this, make every effort to supplement to your faith virtue. Now, when he says make every effort, what's it sound like he's telling us to do? How would we describe that to a middle school student? To make every effort. I mean, they can understand this themselves. But we put it in different terms. What would we say? To do what? Yeah, work hard. Get busy. Okay, put your nose down. Get, get, get your feet going. Is this idea. Make every effort. Another way of you have everything you need. Now get busy. Get busy doing what? And, and, and what he's going to call us to is this ministry of addition. This ministry of addition. And he says for us, he says that we are to supplement or add to our faith. So we have a faith. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We receive all the righteousness of Jesus. Our standing with God is right because we have faith. All of these things aren't like steps to heaven because that's already been purchased for us in Jesus Christ. These are steps to growth. How do I grow? How do I, these are going to be the steps, go from being a healthy believer to being a fit believer? That I'm adding. I'm building on the faith that God gives me. And so what do I build on this faith? It says I build with virtue and with virtue knowledge and with knowledge self-control and with self-control steadfastness and with steadfastness godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. He gives this whole list of things that we are to grow in. And so as we see that God's given us everything we need to flourish as a church in these first verses, here what we see is that God calls us to build on our faith, to take what we have and to move forward to build on our faith so that we will be effective and fruitful. Because look at what verse 8 says. So, I have these qualities. God's done this for me. I need to be consistently adding these. Verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours, and what? What's the next word? This is a nose-down question. Okay, that means get your nose in the Bible. It says this. For if these qualities are yours, and they're what? Increasing. Okay, it doesn't mean you just have faith, you have virtue, but they're growing, you're, you're growing in them. He says, if you do this, if you have them and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think, back, think with me tight here, in ver, at the end of verse 8, 
that they will keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that phrase earlier, right? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look up at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. The knowledge of him. Down here again in verse 8, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing here is this knowledge of Christ. These things that we know, these things that we believe, I can have all of those and be very, very healthy. But I can also have those, and it says in verse 8, that I can be ineffective and unfruitful. That this verse is teaching us that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be ineffective and unfruitful. I would describe this as you could be healthy because you have faith and virtue and knowledge. You have brotherly affection. You have love. You have those qualities, but you're not doing anything with them. That you're not adding to them, which is what our text is telling us. And so my, my pulse is good. My blood pressure is good. I'm eating pretty healthy. Thank you very much, doctor. I'm going home and keep doing what I'm doing. I think our spiritual doctor would say, yes, I've given you good spiritual health, not just to enjoy all the gifts I've given to you. I've given you good spiritual health to do something with. I've given you a mission a mission to, to go and make disciples of all nations. I, I've called you to, to certainly delight in me. God would call us to delight in Him and to enjoy Him and to grow in our relationship with Him. But I think that He says, but, but, and that's great, but I'm doing all that. I want you to be healthy because I want you to be active. I want you engaging in the work of the ministry. Because, I mean, this verse could not be clearer. If these qualities, verse 8, are yours and increasing, they keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful. And what we see in this is God calls us to build on our faith is that we must work hard to continually grow. We must work hard to continually grow. I think it's so easy for us as believers just to, to kind of get to a point of spiritual maturity that we know, a, we, we know kind of some stuff about the Bible and you know, there's no gross sin in our lives and my life is pretty stable and I'm in church and I'm connected and I'm, I'm healthy. But that'd be it. I'm pleased with where I've come. I'm content. But in my contentment, I've become complacent. I've lost a passion for a lost world. I've got friends and neighbors and family members that are lost. They don't know Jesus, and I wish they did. And I wish somebody would tell them about them. I know that I know that our church, we have a good, healthy church, and I know Pastor Nate's often working to have more people serving in different areas and so that the light, we spread out the load, and so certain people aren't carrying so much load. We're trying to do that. But I've served. I'm healthy. See, I think it's very easy for us to be satisfied with good health. But God in this passage is not calling us. I mean, look what he says in verse 5. It says, For this reason, 
and the active, he says, make every effort. And then down here in verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more diligent. Work hard, be diligent, be focused, be intentional. Don't be complacent. These qualities are things that we need to be adding to our faith so that we are effective and fruitful in the work of God. When we think about this in the physical realm, it is. It's, it's very easy to be content with good health. And so I get up in the morning and I eat my yogurt and my banana and your orange juice and whatever and soy milk and you go to work and you're great. But, it, but, but, but to get up and then to, to do some exercise or to take time at lunch to go for a walk so you're getting better, to take time after work to lift weights or whatever, to do those things, that's hard. That, that takes effort. I don't want to do that. I just want to be healthy. But as we think about good health, so physically, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to charge you in health, fit, all that kind of stuff, okay? But, 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 but think about this. From a, right now, it's the fall sports in the high school are all kicking off, okay? And um, that means that how many times are most of our athletes practicing right now? Most of them have two-a-days, Right? And why do they do Now, here's the question. If the, the football team, the cross-country team, soccer team, whoever, comes in and the, church, the coaches do an assessment, do you suppose they would assess that most of their players are healthy? Well, sure they do. I mean, actually, they had to have a physical to even be on the field, right? So, so yes, all of those, those, those athletes are healthy. And the coach, I'm sure, is very happy with that. Is the coach satisfied with that? You guys are all healthy. Let's go play football. What happens at two-a-days? You run, and you run, and it's hot, and you run a little more, and then you go home, and you take a nap, or you take a shower, or whatever, and then you come back, and you do it more, and more, and more, because what is the coach seeking to produce in you? They, they want you to be fit. They want you to be well-conditioned. They want you using your muscles, because they know that most of their students all summer, the only muscles they've exercised are the thumb muscles. Text in, playing, get whatever. That's all that they got to get the rest of their body in shape. And we think spiritually it's very similar. That, 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 and because what is the coach's goal? The coach's goal is to get these kids in the game so they can compete, enjoy the game, but also win some games. And spiritually, I believe that's what God desires of us. Not simply to show up at practice. I eat well, do my blood pressure, I'm healthy, but to get busy using the good health that we have to stretch ourselves, to mature, to be adding to this so that whenever those football players get on the field and it's the middle of the first quarter, they're not throwing up. Right? They want them, have, they want them competitive. They want them being pushed. They want them in good shape. Being the same, because very often it happens spiritually in our own lives that, that we run into a situation or a time where we have an opportunity to talk about the gospel, to have a spiritual conversation, or to, to, to talk to somebody about the things of the Bible. And we're healthy, but then game on, and I'm like, yikes, I'm not prepared for this. Well, the question would be, why aren't you prepared for it? What is God calling us to? God is not calling us simply to be healthy believers. He's calling us to make every effort to be diligent, to be growing in these things. So whenever the game's on, we're ready. You're fit. You're equipped. 
you're ready to go. And so as we see this, that we must work hard to continually grow. It takes work to move from simply being healthy to being fit. Conditioning is required. Sweat will often be necessary. An emotional sweat. A sweat of your brain. A sweat of your patience. A sweat in these areas. Of, it talks about adding to our faith virtue. This idea of adding virtue, of moral excellence. Here's a question. What character quality... Are you working to develop in your life? I, no, I guess I'm not. No, I guess maybe all of them. Well, is there an area that you may need to maybe work on? Maybe is there honesty, trustworthiness, respect of people you don't like? Are you building in that? What about knowledge? It says add the virtue to knowledge. Here's a question: How are you? What new? What new knowledge are you working to acquire and sharpen and understand better? I'm encouraged. We have a 6 o'clock Bible study on, on Tuesday mornings at Trinity. And I'm really encouraged because we're working on some knowledge. We're working through a book called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Okay, That's heavy stuff. And for 6 o'clock in the morning especially. right? That's heavy stuff. But what are we doing? We're seeking to grow in our knowledge. And listen, that topic, God's sovereignty, when are you done studying that? Right? Remember, because what? God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're trying to understand that, that we continue to grow. I would ask you the question, what knowledge are you seeking to grow in? Maybe theology, church history? What kind of things are you seeking to grow in knowledge? What about self-control? We're to add to our knowledge self-control I would ask the question, what temptations are you working hard to avoid? What challenges are you working to overcome? What are you seeking to flee, purposely fleeing temptation that you're adding self-control to this? You have it, but you're adding. What about steadfastness or perseverance? How are you adding perseverance? How are you working to add to that? I often hear people say, listen, I'm not going to pray for patience because if I pray for patience, guess what God might want me to do? develop it and i want to develop it because if i have to develop patience things will get hard and it's going to be this long tough thing i don't want to develop that but i would ask you are there things in your life that you find it very easy to become short about impatient intolerant are you working to grow in that he talks about godliness growing in your devotion to god seeking to please god in every way i mean i would specifically ask this how are you doing how are you doing with your Bible reading? I mean, right? I mean, that should be, if we're going to continue to grow, we need to be eating the bread and the meat of God's Word, drinking the milk of God's Word. It's easy to know that the milk's in the refrigerator. But what's milk in the refrigerator do for you? Nothing. And we've got to open it up. We've got to open it up and read it. I mean, if... if if the studies, the people who study people like us, they would say that our Bible reading is pretty, pretty oftentimes abysmal. A couple times a week, maybe. What about you? Maybe there's an area you could grow in. You say, well, you know what, I've been reading my Bible maybe once a week when you read it, Pastor, so I'm getting it once. Um, what if you say, you know what, I'm going to work to read the Bible, I set a goal of at least three days a week, four days a week. It's a reasonable goal, and a goal like that, you can exceed it. 
Because would it be great if you read the Bible seven days, every day of the week? Absolutely, would love that. Here's my danger. You set a goal like that, and tonight at midnight your phone rings, and you got a call, and then tomorrow morning you're waking up late, and you're tired, and you're like, Man, I don't want to get up, and so you don't get up in the morning to read the Bible, and then you forgot you had a meeting, and so you eat breakfast, you scurry out, and you think, well, I'll do it at lunch. And lunch comes, and you have to say, well, I'm going to go grab something at lunch. And you grab something, and you're in the fast food line, and it takes forever to get through. And so you get back, you don't have any time to read your Bible. Well, I'll do it tonight when I get home. You get home, and your kids need something. The phone rings, or the, you're going to mow the yard, but the belt breaks, and so you've got to fix it, and everything goes wrong like that. And then a little later, you say, well, I'll just do it before I go to bed. And so you go to bed, you open up your Bible, and you fall asleep. Does that describe anybody else's life except for mine? I mean, that's, the, that's, that's where we live. And so guess what? You didn't read the Bible that day. Man, I'm a loser. I'm a failure because I'm not reading my Bible seven days a week. Well, give yourself some grace. Set a pace. Say, you know, I'm going to read it at least four days a week. And if you read it seven, celebrate. Right? Four is reasonable. Because if, that, today, if I just described yesterday, guess what today is? It's a new day. Right? And, and, and th- so think of oh, your Bible reading, growing in the intake of God's Word. Well, he goes on and talks about growing in brotherly affection and loving other brothers in Christ. How are you doing with that? How are you doing in growing in brotherly affection? What about growing in love? How are you giving of yourself for the good of others and the glory of God? As we see this, that we must recognize that we must keep growing so that we do not become ineffective and unfruitful. We certainly need to be content and rejoice that we are healthy, but we must not, must not become complacent because we don't want to be ineffective. We don't want to be unfruitful. We want God to use us, right? I mean, I assume that you want God to use you in the lives of your family, in the lives of your friends. We, we, we want God to use Eastside Baptist Church, Right? I mean, we don't want to simply be a holy huddle out here on the east side of town that we get together and rejoice because God's good to us and we're healthy and things are good and then we just go out and just kind of do our own thing. Wouldn't it be great to see God use us in growing ways as we would continue to move forward, as we would apply these principles? We see we continually exercise putting our good health to work. Because, again, my good health, if I eat right, lift my weights, and run, that can be great. But if I stop, it all goes backwards. We must not become complacent in a relationship with God, in our Bible reading, in our prayer life, in our growth in virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. We must continue to strive and grow in these. And I would ask you the question, how are you seeking to continue to grow in these areas? How are you building on your faith? Well, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be a part of the regular ministries of our church, the preaching and teaching ministries. It says make every effort back in First Peter or Second Peter. Make every effort and be diligent. I want to encourage you to be diligent and make every effort to be at church. It's really easy to wake up, be tired, and say, eh, I'm not going to go tomorrow. It's real easy to be out late on Saturday night or have a weekend so full of stuff to say, well, we're not going to go to church tomorrow. I just not, just not, we're just not going to do it. We can go when it's convenient. I'm going to go to football practice when it's convenient. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to exercise when it's convenient. Well, if that's what you're doing when it's convenient, you're not going to be fit. And it will likely affect your health as well. 
I would encourage you to commit to being with God's people in church. I would commit, encourage you to engage in Bible studies that we have, to pursue knowledge, to pursue growth, to be engaging in them so that you can also grow in brotherly affection as you get to know those who you're studying with, men's and women's Bible studies. One of the things that we're seeking to do, we're going to begin on October 9th, is that with a few of the adult class, Sunday school classes, that we are going to tweak those or format a little bit. Uh, we're going to call them the East Side Essentials, and we're going to have three tracks. We're going to have a, uh, they're going to be eight-week modules, and one track is going to be the knowing track. These are things that we need to know. These are what we want every believer to know, things about theology, things about church history, things about um, apologetics. They're truths that we just need to know, have in our storehouse. That's a knowing track. Also a doing track. We're going to have a doing track where we're going to talk about things like finances, parenting, marriage, conflict, resolving conflict, tracks like that to help equip you. Eight-week module, pretty defined time. Uh, but you've got to pick and choose and think, I need to be a part of this. I want to grow in this area. I want to be adding to my faith this. Third track is going to be what we call a training track. How do I share the gospel? How do I help counsel other people? How do I lead a Bible study? How do I lead a small group? how-tos in these three tracks. And so we're going to schedule those out throughout the year, eight-week modules. I would encourage you to, if you have some interest in teaching God's Word, that in saying, you know what, I might be interested in teaching one of those eight-week modules. See me. I might be seeing you anyway, but um, let us know. We are looking for teachers to help this. We want to mix this up. We want to have a number of people involved in this. But also as a church family, this is an opportunity for us to add to all of these things. We're also giving some thought. This is ways out a little bit further, but giving some thought to um, a small group ministry and what we would call sermon-based, service-oriented small groups. Sermon-based, what I mean by that is our content is going to be what we talk about on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to, we're going to listen on Sunday mornings, then we're going to engage in what we talked about from Sunday morning in our small groups. You think if you miss church, you can watch it on Facebook Live, you can listen online, and you show up, and there'll be some questions like there are today on the back of your bulletin. Those are the kind of questions you'll walk through together as a group. But it's not only sermon-based in content, but also service-oriented, because we don't want it to just be an opportunity for us to grow in more knowledge, but to apply that knowledge. And so service-oriented means that a group is going to adopt a project or a ministry. And so maybe that's some group thinks they have a real heart for our pioneer clubs. We're going to think, we're going to identify three or four groups of pioneers. That we're just going to love on them and see if we can meet those kids and try to engage their parents. That's going to be our ministry. Another one might be that you recognize something in, here in the community and think, you know what, we want, to, we want to come alongside a Trinity mission in our group. We're going to be an encouragement to them, and we're going to figure out some ways to do that. Or maybe there's some neighbors across here, across the street, in our community, and thinking, you know what, we're going to do some things for our neighbors. That's going to be our group project. Another one may say, you know what, we have a number of, of, of people in our church family who aren't able to be here on Sundays. We want to be an encouragement to them, and maybe a group or two will say, listen, we're going to adopt these individuals, and we're going to love on them. That's going to be our ministry. Sermon-based small groups, uh, service-oriented, something that we're thinking about. If you have interest in that, be sure you see me. Um, we're thinking about maybe piloting some of these after the first of the year, just to give a few of them a try to see what they look like. But something we want to do to keep not be complacent, but to continue to push ourselves to be growing. We think about our loving others wisely, our biblical counseling. In a few weeks, we're going to restart some of our biblical counseling training on Sunday nights beginning in uh, September. 
uh, no, in uh, just actually a few weeks, we're going to spend time reviewing some of where we've been with our biblical counseling, and then we're going to do some, we've done some high-quality observation videos where people are doing a counseling case. We're going to watch some of those, interact with them, and think about how can I speak truth and love to my friends and my neighbors better? We want to train you in that. We want to help you to be equipped in that. And so all of these are things that we are seeking to do as a church to help us to, to, to push beyond our comfort zone, to push us beyond being simply a healthy church, but a fit church. And that requires all of us. Because here's what I don't want to happen. You're going to hear this. Listen carefully. I don't want you to simply be happy that you come to a church that is seeking to reach kids in our community that are seeking to counsel people who are hurting. I don't want you loving our church simply because we're a church that is preaching the gospel consistently and are um, uh, engaging with one another and doing. So. I don't want you to be love your church just because of those things. I want you to love your church because you're doing those things. You see, it's great to have a church that, man, I love that our church evangelizes, for instance. But I'm not doing it. I'm glad there people are, but I don't have an interest in doing it. Well, here's the question. Who's the church? Who is the church? Is a response. First one is a um, third-person plural pronoun, we. And the second one is a present verb of being, are. So who's the church? We are. Can you say that with me? Who is the church? We are. It's all of us. It's not just your pastors. It's just not your deacons. It's just not the Sunday school teachers or pine. It's all of us. And God calls all of us to be growing, to be engaged, to be serving right where we are. We are a healthy church. It's our desire to be a fit church. And so we realize that God calls us to build on our faith. We have all that we need to flourish. We need to be building we need to work hard to continually grow, and we must keep growing so that we're not unfruitful, we're not ineffective. We want to be fruitful and effective. And so I may encourage you this morning, as we wrap up this morning, I would encourage you maybe on, somewhere on your notes, maybe at the bottom or the backside, to be asking yourself this question and then answer it by writing something out. I'm thankful that we're a healthy church, or I'm thankful that I'm a healthy believer. Or if you're not, I would just say, Lord, help me to grow so I am faithful, so then I can be fit. But assuming that you're healthy, Lord, I thank you that I'm a healthy follower of Jesus. And then somewhere on your notes that you would write, Lord, help me to grow to be a more fit believer by, and then fill in the blank, adding to your faith, adding to your faith knowledge. And you think, maybe pick one of those things. I need to, I need to work hard to add to my faith, build on my faith, by doing this. And I encourage you to think about that, to be fit, to be effective and fruitful. Well, as we wrap up this morning, we recognize again, I am very thankful that God has us as a church in a very healthy place. And I commend you for it. I commend us. I'm thankful. We are the church. And as we look around, as we look at the measures that we'd often look at, that there are things that would tell us that we are indeed a healthy church. But let's not be complacent. Let's build on this good health. Let's put it to work to become a fit church, to have a greater impact in our community, to love God more, to love each other more, and to be more faithful to the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that you would stretch us. The Lord, we, when we're overwhelmed with gratitude for helping us to be a healthy church. But Lord, help us to not be complacent. Lord, help us to know that you have provided us with everything we need to flourish and that we have a responsibility to add to our faith, to be building on that faith. So Lord, help us, stir in us a burden to be specific about what that looks like in our individual lives. Lord, as we as a church would seek to be putting things in place that will help us to be continue to build on faith, that you would have people come alongside that would be, be carry the same burden and be willing to help carry the load. Lord, help us. Help us to serve you. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for a minute will come, we'll receive our morning offering and uh, encourage you to do give some thought as we receive this offering to what you've heard. Um, also, I think the lyrics of the song are beyond the screen, and so I encourage you to meditate on these um, as we receive the offering. <laughs>